Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Reasons to be Joyful. My guest this week is the comedian Rosie Jones, who is joy personified. She started her career behind the scenes in television as a researcher before turning her hand to stand up. Since then, she's toured the UK, appeared on countless TV panel shows, and is a published author. So here's our chat. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Rosie, you and I first met in real life um, backstage at a, a charity event and we were, we everyone was in the room, there were all these women, a really sort of strange bunch of yeah. women, I mean yeah. a real mix of women yeah. and the two of us were nattering in the corner and they kept saying, can you can you come out on stage, can you come on, come on you two. Because no. we have a mutual friend yes. who got you singing Opera. Yes. Fee. Fee, we love her. A woman. Um yeah, so Fee is a great TV producer and I known her since before I was a comedian when I was a little TV researcher. And uh, she I love that little TV research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only five foot one. I was <laughs> tiny, and they rang me up last year and said, "Rosie, can you sing?" And I went, "Fee." I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> and she had faith in me. And I did opera lessons. That was extraordinary. Uh, yeah. And caught to me on the stage of the Coliseum, Live TV, Comic Relief with four brilliant women who could sing a lot better than I could. But just like going out of my comfort zone and doing something that I never even imagined I could do 
was incredible. I was crying, and I don't mean that in a patronising way. I was so overwhelmed because Fee is such a dear friend, and she told me that you were doing it, and then I watched you doing it, and I remember messaging you just going, honestly, it was incredible, but you always take yourself out of your comfort zone. Did you do that when you were a child? Yeah, yeah. I think I always did. Basically, I had a mum and dad who, from a very young age, they learnt that if they said no to me, I would kick, scream and (laughs) do it anyway. Um, And I think my disability is the reason for it. I've had cerebral palsy since birth. And I think definitely growing up in the 90s, I didn't have that positive representation of what it meant to be disabled and that's quite isolated. Of course it is. Yeah and I think if you're a woman you normally have a mother or all the positive role models, if you're non-white, you normally have all a part of your family who are the same. If you are queer, there are spaces that as soon as you start drinking you know to get to your local gay bar but in terms of disability there isn't that sense of community like oh that's mm, interesting I never looked I never thought of it as community yeah no because None of my family had a disability. No one in my school did. As I grew older in a seaside town, there wasn't any disabled spaces. And... um, that's isolating and definitely for me I had to figure out a lot of that myself. And how did you do I mean, so at school, how how did the people at school, the teachers and the pupils, uh treat you or how were they with you? Um First of all, to be a little political, I went to school at the perfect time because if I went to school five years earlier, I probably would have been put in a disabled school. But when I started in the early 90s, 
They were facing out disability schools. So I went to a mainstream school, but we had a Labour government and therefore the funding was there for me. So I was able to have a teacher's aid. The wonderful Judith Larson, who was with me one-to-one for seven years in primary school. Oh, that's actually, that's given me goosebumps. She was my best friend, whereas now, well, recently she's actually left education because of all the cuts. By the time she left, she had to look after five or six severely disabled children in one go. And that means she's exhausted and they miss out on her rightful education in a mainstream school. So you've got a locked... Uh, I mean, she was she was there for you, which is vitally important to have that person to hold your hand. Yeah. When you left school and you started in, in a little TV person, as you <laughs> said, um, to little TV researcher and you got into writing and everything... Did you have those people there then? Was there people were there people holding your hands then? No, no, not really. And even quickly back to school, Judith was incredible. The teachers were amazing, but in terms of the other students. I was never bullied, but because I always went into every room, every situation, going, Hello, I'm Rosie, I'm disabled, but I'm just like everyone else. I was loud, I was Funny. You surprised me, Rosie. Yeah, really? No way. <laughs> Loud and funny. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that would have always been me. But thinking back on it, it was definitely created as a defence mechanism in order for people to see my personality more than they saw my disability. So it's always been up to me to almost apologise for who I am. Oh, that's interesting. Rather than me just entering a new space and being able to 
Josh Beamish. Did you do that then? So there I asked you about when you went to work and people were holding your hand. Did you do the... Did you do the um, uh, the loud Rosie, the funny Rosie, because you wanted that for them to see that first again in the workspace? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, I really benefited from television. Um, I started in TV in 2011 and I was part of a channel for diversity scheme which was incredible because for me living in Yorkshire I could not have afforded to move down to London and get a part-time job as a runner so just doing this year-long scheme put me in a production company and gave me stability. But even then, even in 2011, I was the only disabled person in a production company of about 150 people. So again, isolating. That yeah. must have been very yeah. isolating. Yeah. So therefore, like, Segula had to go, hello, I'm Rosie, and the loud one, and the one that would crack jokes in the kitchen. And I often mask what I need with a joke. So, for example, I love tea and coffee, but I cannot make it because me with hot liquid, it's a bloody disaster. So I normally, when I work in an office, I get to the kitchen, I hang around, I chat to people. It's a nice way to meet people. Yeah, <laughs> and then I go, oh, love, do you mind pouring that for me? And hopefully, in my mind, they will never go, oh, I'm helping the disabled woman. It was like, chat, 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 pomadron. Oh, could you carry it to my desk? If I carried it, it'd be a fucking disaster. <laughs> Little joke, chat, chat, chat. Yeah. Whereas I never felt like I could enter the worst space and go, hello, um, I, I can't make tea. Could someone help me? I've always used 
comedy to get what I need. It's very that's so interesting because one of the things, um, and I'm fully aware, and I did check with you, we could talk about it, was all the online abuse yeah. that you get. Yeah. So it's all well and good in person for you to be the loud, the funny one, yeah. the one that everybody now has completely fallen in love with. But then you did question time and the online abuse that you got and you get, which I didn't realise, but you get mm. all the time. You can't be loud and funny in print, can you really? No. So those people are just no. foul. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned question time, and that is a fascinating one because I think I got a lot of that abuse because I wasn't funny, because I didn't have that armour of she's just a happy, lovely, funny oh, lady. Oh, my word. Yeah, it was his an angry woman who was um, very clearly anti-Tory and labelling. So you think that was the reason yeah. that people went yeah. on the on that was the first level, yeah. And what they then went on was the physical level yeah. of she's yeah. a disabled girl, yeah. Right. So I have watched what I said back many times, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. And I went to town on the Tory government and how they treated disabled people because I think it's absolutely disgusting and I think a lot of right-leaning people got angry at what I said and if you get angry but you may not have the intelligence to say your side. You go for the physical, you go for the disability. So that's why I got that abuse. It's just, uh, for, for me, when I, uh, when I think of you, and that's why... We we wanted you on this podcast because it's reasons to be joyful. You like to spread joy. Yeah. And yes, you have your beliefs and you're not quiet about how you think. No. I mean, the TV shows that you've done are so funny. Yeah. I mean, so funny. <laughs> from from the stand-up stuff to yeah. the, to, you know, to mock the... All of those things. But your own shows now that you've been doing, I mean, Trip has properly... I mean, there's my my favourite clip that you have on your website. Which, mm. If I think it just makes me laugh thinking of it when you went. Most people climb to the top, but I yeah. can't be bothered. Did you no. remember? I mean, the, no. you know, you just yeah. you take the piss out of yourself yeah. happily. Yeah. But yeah. you are about spreading laughter because mm. laughter actually is important, and it's very oh. important to you, isn't it? Oh, hugely, and I think it's what we've been saying of laughter and humour is very disarming. 
so you can get your point or your beliefs across with a joke. So um, a lot of people, including my nana, um, say to me, oh, you should be a politician, or, oh, you should be a lawyer, you can change the world. And my argument right now is I think I can make more of a difference in comedy because if a person watches my shows or comes to my comedy shows and they leave thinking that was great, I've had a great night, but now I'm thinking about how um, I might not use a certain kind of ableist abuse at the pub, or maybe I will vote differently at the election. I am slowly changing the world one joke at a time. How important is laughter to you, though, for you to laugh? Uh, really good. Mainly I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> <laughs> when I told my best friend that I wanted to become a comedian, she said, why? No one will ever find you as funny <laughs> as you find yourself. <laughs> and actually, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did a show on Saturday, a toy show, and I had to stop for like three minutes because I made myself laugh. <laughs> um, but for me, if I find something funny, I go... Right, hopefully other people will too. And yet, like, you know me day to day. I just chat to people. I joke. I find the joy in life. So. You'll be, you've got funny bones. And I, do, I think, you know, there are... We were talking earlier, uh, before we started recording, about people that we both think are just funny. Yeah. They're funny. Yeah. Tom yeah. Allen, funny. Yeah. Rob Beckett, funny. Yeah. You know, there yeah. are, and there are many others, so apologies for not mentioning them all. <laughs> but funny bones. And I think it's something that you're... Oh, it's a weird mm. thing to say. I think it's something you're born with. I do. And um, when I think about my childhood... It was always around the kitchen table. Mum, Dad, me and my little brother, and we'd eat for hours. You'd but eat for hours? Eat! <laughs> like, 
but even after we finished all the cheese and all the bread, we've sat there laughing and talking. Oh, how lovely. And that is still my favourite thing to do, just to go for dinner with a few friends and sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh. You know what, the one thing I've picked up from that is you obviously come from a very posh family because you ended with bread and cheese at the end of your... There was never a time when I was a child that we had bread and cheese at the end of the meal. Actually, yeah, we were a little bit posh, but only on a Friday. Oh, you had bread and, and cheese on the Friday. And we wouldn't end on bread and cheese. That would be the whole meal. Oh, I see. That's the whole we meal. We would have bread, cheese, olives, like a picky bit. Oh, that's my favourite type yeah. of meal. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, let's go to the TV shows that you're making. So documentary is coming out uh, in a few weeks um, about ableism. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people who have maybe heard that word for the first time or read that word and don't know what it means. So for people who don't know what ableism is, yeah. can you explain it and then just tell us a bit about the documentary? Because it's a it's a big documentary for you. Yeah. It's from the heart. So ableism is simply when you discriminate against somebody because of their disability. And it's interesting if you ask someone on the street what is racism, what is sexism, what is homophobia, they could tell you immediately. Whereas when I say what's ableism, 
people aren't sure all they say. Is that really a thing? Or they say, have you made that up? And I, even I, the disabled person, only learned that word about five years ago. And then in hindsight, I talk a lot of ableism on myself and I blamed myself. Um, you blame so, yourself? Yeah, so for example, uh, a big example of ableism is at least once a week I will call a taxi uh, the taxi will pack up and then I walk towards it and the driver will go, you're not getting in. What? You're drunk. And I will say, no, I'm not drunk. I got shaver but palsy. Once a week this happens to you? Once a week. At least, and the driver will drive away, and that has happened to me at 3 a.m. in the middle of London. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been stranded, and I felt like I was in danger. As a woman and as a disabled person, and before I knew what ableism was, I would go, well, yeah, it makes sense. I do look drunk. It's not their fault. Whereas now I go, no, taxi companies need to educate their drivers on different levels of disability. I did even find it um, with the core ableism. So if I get shouted, a slur in the street. You still get slur? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Usually t- at night. Usually. This is just horrible. Yeah. And again, before I knew what ableism was, I would go, oh, yeah, well, they don't really know what a disability is. So I'd eat up all the ableism. And luckily, I got a great network of friends and family out there, but... It takes its toll. Of course it does. Um, so I decided to do, do a documentary all about 
abuse enablism because I think I've established myself as it's funny comedian is always happy who just happens to be a little bit wobbly and I think it's time for people to realise that whilst I am all of these things behind the camera I am still getting abused every day I am still getting discrimination about what I sound like and what I look like and I think it's time for us to take ableism as seriously as we take all other forms of discrimination. I completely agree. I'm so sorry that that happens to you because I just think, it, there's no two ways about it. It's wrong. That's it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Um, but also for, for you, going into the spotlight, so there you were, right? because you were writing. We're yeah. going to talk about your books again oh, in a minute yeah. as well. But but there you were writing for TV and then you put yourself out there. It, you know, nobody pushed you and said, right, you've got to do this. You, yeah. put, you put yourself out there. Um, did you have any concept then of what was going to happen, how it was going to roll. Um, and I mean the good stuff as well as that horrible yeah. stuff. I mean, I can't say that without sounding like an American. No, just, I asked you the question. So, yeah, you just tell um, me as it is. I... I started stand-up when I was... 27 and around the time of when I was like 23, 24, a friend said to me, you should do stand-up and I said, yeah, I will, but not yet, because I'm not ready to be famous yet. Oh, so you really knew, knew what you were I doing? I knew, yeah. I knew, and it sounds incredibly arrogant. No, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't sound arrogant. It sounds actually really bright and yeah. with it and very tuned in. Yeah, and I just think... Of course, I was in a magic potion to be famous and successful. But definitely for comedy right now, I think you need a combination of, like we said, natural humour and I knew I had that because I knew I could go into a new workspace or meet new people and make them laugh immediately. So I knew I had the humour and the confidence 
coming from TV and you how that side worked and you how to write a joke, how to pitch a show, how to act on the panel show in order to make sure that a lot of your jokes made an edit. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, so that's, that's clever. That's um, clever. Again, coming from TV, I had experience and a knowledge of the comedy industry, and I saw the new comedians coming up, and I knew no one was saying what I would bring to it so I could even then see a rosy hole in the comedy world that I knew when the time was right when I had the tools and knowledge and experience I could fit myself into that and my final component which you know is huge in this industry is I work damn hard. I've been a full-time comedian now for six years and in that six years I can count on my two hands the totally free days I've had. Even when I have a day off I'm writing a picture mulling over a joke so I worked out and when I was ready to become a quote famous comedian, I bloody put my mind to it and I don't take anything for granted. So all of those elements I could envisage even at 23, 24 going, yeah, I will be famous. Not yet, but when I'm ready, that was always a path for me. Do you know, we, I didn't realise that we all... This is going to sound a bit odd. We we all needed our hole filled with Rosie, but you yeah. know what I mean. No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, so when we you were just saying about your writing, because of course you've written Edie, yeah. the books about Edie, three books and more to come. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, for people who haven't read Edie, get the books. Um, I told you about my friend's uh, little boy who is. Precious and lovely, yeah. and those books are very important because he also has cerebral palsy, and he's going to be ten 
in November and he's lovely and he loves you and his but more so his mum loves you for what you were doing for him at nine years old he sees you on telly yeah. Yeah. He, he's got those books yeah. so important and to so many others and it's it's taken too long for that mm. let's be honest yeah but those books are so important to you as well aren't they yeah so that comes back to my childhood when I I need to stretch that. I had a great time. You did well, you had the bread and cheese. Yeah. Bread and cheese. Bread and cheese. But in hindsight, it was isolating. And a big part of it was when I turned on the telly, when I opened a book. There was nobody who looked or sounded like me. And I remember age five, I said to my mum, I want to write a book all about a little girl about When you were five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... I just didn't want anyone out to feel as alone as I did. So I wrote Edie. I wrote the first book during lockdown. And um, out of everything I do, I probably... The thing that I'm most proud of, and I love it. I do a lot of book festivals, and a lot of the children who come are disabled, who who say, thank you for writing someone like me, and spoiler alert, the books also deal with queer identity and at the end ED kisses another girl. So I then have a lot of girls and boys who come with their mum and dads and say, Thank you, they read ED and they were able to have the language to tell us that when they're older they might want to kiss other boys or other girls. So that's a matching thing as well. But then I have a third group of children who are able-bodied and who come dressed as easy and they just go, Oh, I like ED because she's funny. And I think that group made me the most emotional because when they were putting their ED dungarees on that morning they weren't thinking oh 
undressing like a disabled girl. They were just going, I want to look like E.D. because she's amazing. So it's incredible to see how my little book will affect children and educate them and hopefully make them feel less alone. Rosie, you know what you are? You are wonderful and you call yourself the triple threat. There's many more threats there. There's more than just three. More than just three. Rosie Jones, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the series so far. Remember to follow and subscribe to the podcast, please, so you never miss an episode. And find me on Instagram at Gabby Roslin for more podcast and joyful nuggets. We'll be back with Rosie on Friday for our show and tell episode. And I hope you can join me then. Bye for now. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl! Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>